Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. Today we wanted to talk about trick training. Yay! One of my favorite subjects. Yeah. Training tricks is always fun. It makes for a fun way to show off to your friends. (laughs) It makes for a good way to bond with your dog. It does. And it also can become some useful things to do for dogs with behavior problems. Yeah, or dogs that are not confident. It can be a real confidence builder for dogs that are confident. So what are some of your favorite tricks? Well, touch is an easy one. That's not really a trick trick, but it is a fun one, and that's where the dog touches their nose to your hand. Mm-hmm. Also, shake is an easy one. I mean, just and I'm just saying these just because we were just talking about to build confidence, and those are the easiest ones for a dog to do and succeed and help them build their confidence. It's easy for them to do in a situation where they might normally be fearful. When we talk about touch, we're talking about the dog touching something with its nose normally. Mm-hmm. She can also teach touch with the dog taking his paw and touching his paw to something. Yes. Also, shake is obviously the dog presenting his paw, so you can. Take mm-hmm. a hold of it. And we can turn shake into wave. Mm-hmm. Or high five. Or high five, right. Mm-hmm. Or high ten. Or, yeah. Yeah, like Chip will sit up on his hind end, you know, like he's begging, but then take both of his feet together and, like, cross them over each other and then do that little wave that you see in a lot, a lot of Bichons do. Right. He's not a Bichon, though. <laughs> you can teach shake on one hand and then or one paw and then say, ah, oh, nope, the other hand, and, and right. get across, you know, two different... Right, or you can do, like, for my dog, it's if I put out my right hand, they put their left paw, and if I put my left hand, then they put their right paw. Or you can teach the distinction. So Mm -hmm. you can teach them as two different things. So that you could could teach them, say, left and right. Not that they would understand the words, but you could teach them the cue meant left or right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good ones. I like to teach a rollover. I always love to teach a rollover Mm because it's really fun to teach. And I love to teach a a bang your dead. Yeah. Because it's cute. Well, I don't. I have that on my dogs, but I don't say "bang your dead." I say "rough day," right? And they fall over on their side, right? And then I say you "want a margarita," <laughs> and they pop up happily. <laughs> yes, I do. It wasn't that wasn't that rough a day, right? I just use the gun. I just use the gun, and actually, I teach that as a hand signal or as a as a verbal. So yeah, I can say "bang," or yeah. I can just you know do the hand signal. Yeah. Um, I know somebody who, you know, for bow, instead of saying bow, she says to her dog, pull my finger, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is just hysterical. Because normally when you ask a dog to bow, you're asking them to put their front elbows down, right? So it's their rear end up in the air. Yeah, reverse of sit. So obviously what pull your finger would be with your rear end in the air. Sit up is nice, although mm-hmm. some dogs naturally sit up a lot better than others. For some dogs, sitting on their back legs with their front legs off the ground is a really difficult balance. Takes act. a lot of core muscle strength, and unless your dog does Pilates on a regular basis. <laughs> well, and some dogs seem to really have a natural ability to do it, and, yeah. so, and for some dogs, it seems to be really a difficult thing to yeah. do. We have a mutual friend who used to swear that dogs without tails can't sit up because they <laughs> use their tail like as a tripod. <laughs> As an Aussie owner, I have to say that's not true. But my dog Chip, who sits up, doesn't have a tail either. Absolutely. It has a lot to do with really being able to get their balance that way. For some dogs, that's not a very comfortable move. And Mm -hmm. if it's not, you know, for me with trick training, if I have a dog that doesn't seem to be able to do something 
physically with ease. I kind of assume that, okay, maybe this isn't the greatest idea for you. Yeah, like a dog who has a really heavy top part of their body, like really thick chest and shoulders, mm-hmm. um, and, or, and maybe a long body. Mm-hmm. where it's going to be way up there and it's harder for them to balance and so that they have a narrower base also because their rear end is a little bit smaller than their top end. Well, and sometimes dogs that you think would be good at something aren't. And I kind of, since I don't know, I always err on the side of caution. I don't know. Maybe that causes them some discomfort. Maybe yeah. there's something going on there that's not visibly apparent to me mm-hmm. that is uncomfortable for them. I have a, one of my Aussies is very light dog and she tends to be kind of narrow mm-hmm. and rolling over although she does it i don't think it causes her pain but it's such a it's such an arduous chore whereas my staffy bull can flip over like you know right like nobody's business it's rolling all the way obviously from one side roll all the way over and be upright right. again and um for willow you know mm-hmm. willow it's that's a difficult thing to do she does it and mm-hmm. she does it because she would do anything for a reward but she is absolutely not a natural. <laughs> Let's right. put it that way. I, what I love is um, my first pit bull did this, and Stony now does it. I've taught him. And my first pit bull did it. It just kind of happened because he was just throwing things at me while we were standing in line waiting for our turn at agility because um, he had a great backup. He had a fabulous backup. And so I was working him on backup, and he got a little enthusiastic, so he would back up like 30 feet into somebody Something, else yeah. right or somebody actually running the course and so i i told him to down after a number of times of backing up so i told him to down and he went down oh and back up so he had a, he put, he, he made his own crawl backwards right. and so now i've i've put that on stony as well right and crawling forward of course is always a fun one to teach a dog yeah dancing standing up on their hind legs as yeah. opposed to sitting up is, yeah. is a nice one and my dog sammy his wave is a stand up on your hind legs and wave right with, right. his, with his front feet. I've taught, a lot of times I've taught the stand-up by teaching a touch with the paw and then mm-hmm. just pulling the my hand up high enough that they had to stand up to touch. And that's how we started that behavior. Right. I also like uh, high rise, which mm-hmm. is, you know, they put their feet up like on a baby gate or on the arm of a chair and then they tuck their little nose underneath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wipe also your wipe eye. your face. Yeah, wipe your face where they take a paw and wipe wipe across their eyes or across yeah. their face. Or like Chip does it with both feet. He'll lie down and do both feet on his face. Willow doesn't really like to touch her face, so unless I really push for it, she just sort of waves at her eye. <laughs> Is that close enough? <laughs> she puts her, well, she'll put her paw in. It gets very, very close. And actually, if you're not paying attention, but very rarely does she actually make contact. She just doesn't want to do that. And again, yeah. I don't see a lot of value in pushing yeah. her, to be honest with you. I like shake your head. Shake your head. I teach, yeah, I teach, I've taught a couple of dogs to shake their head. You can teach a nod and a shake. You mm-hmm. can teach in both, um, which is fun. It makes for a fun party trick. So we should probably talk about how we get some of these behaviors too. Not um, just say, my dog can do this, and I'm not going to tell you well, how to do it. Well, I just sort of wanted to give an idea of some fun things to do mm-hmm. also, because I think that, that a lot of times when people start training tricks, tr- training tricks is fun. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you run out of creative ideas. Right. So having a list of creative ideas is kind of fun. Right. Um, I also like teaching a dog to cross their paws. Mm-hmm. And I usually do that like if a dog already has like a, a shake or give me five where they put their paw in your hand. Then the, the way that I teach them to cross their paws is I put them in a down and then I ask for one of their feet over the top of the other one. I just put that hand over so that they have to cross their paws in order to touch right. my hand. And that's how I then start to shape it. Right. So there's a variety of ways to teach trick behaviors. 
You can teach a trick behavior by with a clicker, by mm-hmm. capturing a behavior that the dog does naturally that you just start to reinforce with a clicker. Yeah, I've known people who couldn't lure their dog into a down. I'm not into a down, into a bow. Mm -hmm. But the dog would, as soon as they got up in the morning, the first thing they would do is stretch. Mm -hmm. So then they would take the opportunity with a clicker or with a verbal marker to then capture that behavior and pay the dog in that position. Capturing a behavior is when a dog does something and you give that marker at that moment and reinforce it. And eventually the dog starts looking to see, okay, what caused me to get that positive response? Mm -hmm. So they start looking for it. You can also teach a trick behavior by luring a behavior. And that's basically when you take something that the dog wants. It can be a toy. It can be a treat. And you lure them into the physical motion of whatever you want to do. Rollover. I always like to teach a rollover. It's interesting, actually. I like to lure a rollover. And with Willow, I didn't. With Willow, I, I... taught a rollover with a clicker using approximation. Really? And I don't know if that's why she doesn't roll over that great. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just sort of question it because right. it's the only dog that I taught that way. I, I'm sort of, now that I'm talking about it, I mm-hmm. realize it would be interesting to kind of experiment and see. But you can teach it with a lure, which is how I usually teach it. I u- usually teach it by taking something the dog really wants and luring it. I put them in a down and I lure it across their shoulders and, yeah, so that their chin the, is going... So that their nose is following Their it. nose is following it kind right. of over their shoulder, so they're kind of tucked back towards their rear end as opposed to... Because I've seen people try to lure it, but keep the dog's nose out in front of the dog, and the dog's never going to roll would over never that get point. it. Yeah, would never get it. You, you can teach it by coming up and rolling it over their shoulders and allowing the dog's to, nose to follow you, and then making sure that you don't try to get a full rollover from no. the very beginning. You because know? it's kind of... To me, it's kind of like the dog... The dog is afraid he's going to fall off the end of the world when he flips over because he doesn't know where he's going to land. There is a point when they when they roll their head back and they come up over across their shoulders. There is a point where they start to feel a loss of balance when mm-hmm. they start to go down. And you're right; they start to to wig out a little bit there. Yeah. They start to get a little. They're nervous. not sure where they're going to end up. And a lot of people get stuck there because they keep trying to push past that point without actually getting the dog to that point and rewarding him enough that he and gets being comfortable, comfortable there. Right. Right. So you really have to kind of take your time, roll that over, and really give him a lot of success. Just ask for a little bit more. Eventually what happens is when they finally let go of that balance, they kind of go ahead Lock. and roll all the way right. and and right themselves because they want to be upright. And right. so that's a way to get upright. Because it startled them. Right. So if you give them a lot of confidence at that point, then when they get to the the point where they do actually fall over, they hurry up and get all the way over. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they just try to fight their way back upright. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of rolling, they start, yeah. try to fight their way back upright. Yeah. And I really like teaching a backup. I think backup is a lot of fun. The hard part is getting them to back up straight. Mm-hmm. And the way I usually do that is like I'll put them in a narrow, like a channel. So whether it's like between the bed and the wall or I'll take an X-pen and put it up against a wall mm-hmm. so that there's there's just enough room for the dog to fit in and not enough room for them to turn to turn around mm-hmm. right so they have no choice but to go backwards then that's how I usually do that mm-hmm. I try not to move because then that's another cue that I would have to fade is me walking forward mm-hmm. so I'll just stand there and basically use a clicker and successive approximations meaning I'll take little to tiny bits of them moving backwards so whether it's their head or a paw or a back foot whatever that they just start to move backwards a little bit, then I'll click and then I'll throw the food actually farther behind them or go to them and pay them at that point. Right. And you always want to pay back. Ideally, yeah. yeah Although my know. first dog I taught to back up, I paid him towards me. But he was very, very clicker savvy. Right. So 
I didn't have a problem with it. I like to teach them to circle and spin. Yes. And I do. I name, I, I name them different also. Right. A circle and a spin is just when the dog turns one direction or the other direction. They mm-hmm. do a full circle or a spin would be the other direction. I turn, you know, I have them turn one way for a circle and one way for a spin. And um, I've taught that several different ways. I've taught that using a clicker mm-hmm. and just getting them to start first with a head bob and then eventually start asking for more and more. I've taught that doing a lure. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't say that I've that I've ever found one way to be better than the other, to be honest with you. I've mostly lured it just because it's fast. Yeah, it's easier. It's, it's faster. Fast. Yeah, it's really You fast. just have to be careful when you're teaching circle or spin not to do them too many times in a row so that your dog gets dizzy. Well, and the other thing that you have to be careful of is that you don't... Um, they'll start just giving it to you without, without you asking for it. And you really want to make sure that you get to the place where you put it on cue fairly quickly. Because otherwise you just have a dog that continuously, every time you ask them for something. Because it's a really easy thing to do, and a lot of dogs will just hand up that behavior when they think there's something to be had. Right. So you want to kind of get that one on cue. I've noticed that I can get dogs into a little pattern of circle and spin if I don't get it on cue fairly quickly. And then once you do get it on cue, especially with something like that, we tend to do it in the same pattern. So like, let's say your dog, your dog knows both circle and spin. We tend to go circle, circle, spin, circle, spin, spin, circle. So that then the dog, (laughs) we get into this pattern and we don't realize it. So that then, you know, we'll say circle and we're normally would say circle again, that we want to say spin, but the dog goes automatically into a circle. Right. Absolutely. So then they just stop listening to us. So we have to make sure that we break it up. Absolutely. I've done that one before too, especially with Tater, who Mm -hmm. tends to be a dog that learns very fast and wants to keep throwing things at you anyway. And I also teach a circle and a spin on their back legs. For a dog that stands on their back legs well, I'll teach them to do a circle or a spin up in their back legs. So standing on their back legs. Which is pretty easy if you get a circle and a spin and you get them standing on their back legs. Putting those two things together is not too hard with a lure. But I don't know. I never tried it any other way. I always used a lure just because it's easier to get the dog to move once he's up to start moving if you're using a lure. Because right. you can keep him, his head up in the air. I used to work with somebody up at Universal. She taught her dog to walk backwards on his hind legs. That's cute. And that was tough. It was very cute, but tough to do. Yeah. He was the only dog up there that could do it because everybody else, he was a shorter squatter dog, so it was easier for him to keep his balance and go backwards. Right. And again, you know, there are dogs that just aren't suited to certain movements, whether it's because they don't have great balance and so they get insecure really quickly. And I can imagine that that's one that if they had a particular body shape that wasn't terribly mm-hmm. conducive to that, that you're never going to get it. And why work that hard and why push your dog into something that he doesn't belong in? Yeah. I mean, honestly, there are so many tricks to teach. Why not teach the ones that your dog can do without a huge amount of hassle? And when I say that, I don't mean don't rise to a training challenge. I just mean if it looks physically difficult for the dog to do or if it's something that really causes a lot of insecurity in the dog. The whole idea behind trick training is for fun. And for me, I like to teach them for confidence building. So I wouldn't want to push a dog into a place that they're uncomfortable with because then I'm taking several steps backwards. And I don't want to do that. Speak. Speak, speak. yeah, a, that's, I was going to mention that. I teach, I teach almost all my, all my dogs to speak. And then whisper. Yeah. Usually if you can get a speak, you can get a whisper. You can get them to, to do a quieter version of a, mm-hmm. of a bark. There is kind of a notion out there that you can teach a dog not to do nuisance barking by teaching him to speak. I don't ascribe to that. I've never mm-hmm. used Neither it do for I. that. I just think that barking is self-reinforcing behavior, but it is fun to get a dog to bark on command and to be right. able to stop them. I also like getting a sneeze on cue. 
that's nice. And usually that's caught with a clicker, right? You oh yeah. Catch that yeah. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to, I mean, sometimes you can, you can like rub a dog's nose, the tip of a dog's nose, not very hard, just enough to kind of like tickle them. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of enough to bother them. And then usually you have to be ready to click or reinforce as soon as they do sneeze. Interesting thing about sneezing a lot of times. And with a lot of dogs, I have noticed that when you are trying to get a dog to do something with a clicker and, and if you haven't done any clicker training, you know, you should take a look at a couple of clicker training books and such. And we also did. We will be doing a podcast yeah. on clicker training. But I noticed that when you start working with a dog with a clicker, a lot of times a lot of dogs will offer up a sneeze. So apparently there is something to that because <laughs> there are dogs that will offer up a sneeze. Just when they're excited and they're yeah. getting excited in that. I yeah. don't know if that's some signal they're sending. I don't know. But they will. A lot of them will offer up a sneeze. Right. Maybe they get nervous or they get uptight or whatever it is that they get excited and they and they tickle their nose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a calming behavior? A calming signal? Not that I'm I don't, aware of. No, I don't. No, I don't think so. But I think you're right. It might be the excitement. And the thing is, if you're going to capture something like a sneeze, you have to be really. It's. It would be tough to do it with a clicker because you don't know when your dog is going to sneeze. So that's when I would like to have a verbal marker so that anytime my dog sneezes, I don't have to go running for the clicker because, of course, by then it's too late. Right. So then if I hear my dog sneeze, I'm just going to go, yay, good boy, and run over and, and pay him for it. And then he's going to go, oh, mm, that was interesting. Right. And I also like teaching a dog to lift his hind leg. I like teaching my dogs to work all of their legs Me individually too. so that they can move one leg here and one leg there because a lot of dogs don't it's not that they don't realize they don't have a that they have a back end. It's just that they don't think that it moves other, you know, independently of the front end. I also think that a lot of times they just don't see the points. There's no necessity for them to understand how those legs move in conjunction with each other, or that you can move one and not the other. Right. And so until you open that door up for them or that idea, yeah. they just don't have any reason to do that. They yeah. don't think about they just move think about moving. They don't think about moving one leg. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. there's a reason to think about that. Yeah. But well, I agree that's fun. You know, I taught that to Stony and I just messed with it a little bit and I had never actually put it up against a person. I was only doing it up against a wall or a box or whatever. And I had taken Stony to a seminar and he's my pit bull. He's a little timid. And I'm working with a friend of ours and I'm working him and she's being my coach and we stopped doing stuff and we were talking about what was going on and he starts throwing all these behaviors at me because I hadn't told him to lie down or stay or anything. I was kind of ignoring him and I see him stand next to her and lift his leg and I'm just about to yell at him, oh my God, he's urinating on her. Yeah. And I was just about to yell at him. Then something very quickly in my brain went, wait, he doesn't do that. Right. And he was looking at me so intently like, is this what you want me to do? Right. And rather than yell at him, which I'm glad I didn't. Right. Because that would have shut down the behavior forever and ever. Which would have been what you wanted to do if he was was lifting his leg legitimately. Right. And she looks down and she sees that he's lifting his leg at her. And so I had to pay him for it because it was so cute. And luckily, I mean, he wasn't actually peeing on her but he was just giving me the behavior but it was very cute i also taught that to hitch one of our stony and hitch are our doggy dish poster dogs right they're the dogs yeah and i taught it to hitch my australian shepherd it's the same thing he's gone up and presented me with that he's he's offered that behavior to me before and i went ah oh wait (laughs) right i'm confused i'm confused (laughs) so that's a good one to get on cue (laughs) yeah exactly because then you don't have those little mishaps but i tend to be a little slow about putting that one on cue because it's not of that much use to me i also like put your head down so Mm -hmm. that they put their chin down like chip actually sherman 
he would do this. He would lay down, and he was he was a big shepherd mix, and he would cross his paws when he laid down. But as soon as I said, put your head down, he would uncross his paws and, like, flatten his chin as close to the ground as possible. Yeah, I've taught that one, too. I've taught them to drop their head. Let's see. What's another fun one? Say you're, what you call, I forget what you put, what the label was that you put on it. There's one that I used to teach, and I used to call it was called Say Your Prayers, where I mm-hmm. would teach them to put their paws up on something and put their head down right. and rest their head on their paws. And that was, Oh, on their paws, not like hide it underneath. No, okay. just put them down <laughs> solemn. And that was a fun one. Most of the time when I'm trick training, I think, oh gosh, no, not most of the time. It's probably 50-50 between using a marker or using a lure. Yeah. I used to do all lures, and then I noticed that markers, marker training is when you start well, go ahead. Tell them about marker training. Well, that's basically when you capture a behavior. What a marker is, is you're taking a picture of the behavior you want. So whether you're using a clicker or a verbal marker, basically you're saying yes or click. That's what you're getting paid for because you can't pay them at that instant that they're doing it for like shake your head mm-hmm. or wipe your face. It's kind of hard to pay them while they are wiping their face. Right. Or while they are shaking their head. So what you want to do is have some kind of event marker that says that's what you're going to get paid for. So that when you pay them, they understand, oh, even though I'm getting paid now, I know that I'm getting paid for what I was doing when I heard that marker signal. Right. Marker training is clicker training. Or clicker training is marker training. Marker training is not necessarily clicker training. You can mark something with your voice. You can mark something with various a whistle. sounds. And I mean, a clicker training is specifically a clicker. When it, You right. use the clicker as a marker. Right. So, if, if you've ever been to a dolphin show, they use whistles. And that's a marker. And usually with marker training, you are not looking for the whole behavior to mark unless you're capturing a behavior. You're looking for the dog to make a move in the direction that you want them to go. So you have a picture of what your final behavior is going to look like. And, and you start marking them for pieces of that behavior right right? how would i say that how what's the best way to say that well it depends on if you're on if you're because you're if you're shaping yeah that's kind of leaning towards shaping Mm -hmm. as opposed to capturing or luring but even with luring you would you may still take little bits of the behavior like you were saying with the rollover right luring behavior is as i said taking something and and luring them into making a move that you want them to move. And like then, you would with sit. Like right. a lot of people teach sit. They put right. food in their hand and then they just raise it over the dog's head enough to get the dog's rear end on the floor. Right. There's a lot of fun that you can have with trick training. And trick training is wonderful if you take your dog somewhere and he's a little uncomfortable. And you can start putting him through his little repertoire of tricks. It does two things. It makes others receptive to your dog, which is a good thing. And it also gives your dog something to do that he's confident doing. Because basically... Basically, there is no wrong response to a trick. You know, when you start trick training, you're just basically teaching a dog to do something, and it's not like you're trying to take a problem behavior away. So it's a very confidence-building thing to do. Right. I use touch a lot for fearful dogs when they're out on the street. Mm-hmm. There's something that frightens them because you can have them touch, and they can still sort of keep their eye on whatever it is that's scaring them. It's not like I'm not going to ask a dog to roll over when he's in a fearful situation because right. he's not going to, number one, he's not going to lie down because that puts him in a vulnerable position. And then asking, expecting him to roll over and take his eyes off of whatever it is, it's not going to happen. But if you had a hyper dog that you were trying to control hyperactivity. Let's say you were having a situation where you're standing still. You, you mentioned when you would have your dog in line waiting for mm-hmm. your opportunity to go. Yeah. Then you might want to do rollovers or yeah. you might want to do something that was a little more physically active oh, yeah. in order to give the dog an outlet 
for all that energy that was getting stored up in oh, there. Oh, yeah. And I did that with Sammy, actually, when he was younger. And we had a trainer out here, and we were doing some working stuff. But we were standing in line to use this special jump, this scale jump. Basically, they had to climb a wall. And I'm standing in line. And he's getting really excited. And he was... I mean, he still gets excited, and he's, knock on wood, almost 16. But he was much younger and very hyper. And so I'm standing in line, and it was much easier for me to send him to a bed in the corner of this field Mm -hmm. and tell him from 30 feet away, as I am moving up in line, tell him to do his tricks on the bed. Then I would click, he would come to me, I would pay him, and then I would send him back to the bed rather than trying to maintain his calm in this exciting situation. It was much easier for me to keep him focused by having him concentrate on those things. The other way that you can use tricks, I think, to benefit you, like for the touch command, I use that for dogs that do a recall but don't come all the way into you. Mm -hmm. I'll use a touch, Mm -hmm. and that's what I'll do. Some dogs, if people have been working with a dog and they've been trying to get a dog to come to them and they've really, in essence, untrained a recall... For several reasons. One of the ways that people kind of shoot themselves in the foot with a recall is they'll call a dog in and then they grasp at the dog. Mm-hmm. And so the dog doesn't want to come all the way into them. Mm-hmm. And so they I lean will, in, they, they eyeball the dog, they do everything wrong. Right. And they actually push the dog away from them. And they teach a recall where the dog comes in but stays six feet away from them. Because Far the dog can't handle they the pressure. They can't, right. That they can't. And that the person won't grab them. A lot of people, when they want to give their dog attention, they want to grab him and give him attention and kind right. of hold him. And it's really upsetting to dogs. But that's, that's all about a recall. But I will actually use the touch command to fix that because I will teach the dog to come in. I'll teach him a recall. When they get to a certain place, I'll start telling them, good, and give them a touch. Mm-hmm. Tell them to touch. They come in and touch my hand and they get rewarded. And then after we have that really solid and the dog coming all the way in, then I'll start rewarding just giving the dog a quick a head pat, and I'll turn away. Or I'll have the handler turn away from the dog so the handler actually is taking the pressure off instantly. Mm-hmm. And you can get a dog that's learned that habit of not coming all the way in because I find a lot of dogs have that habit. Right. A lot of dogs have the habit of coming but not coming all the way in. So, well, and it kind of goes towards a retrieve also. Mm-hmm. Some people do the same thing, a similar thing with the retrieve. They grab the dog and yank the toy out of their mouth. And that's kind of getting off our topic of trick training, but it kind of goes along the same lines as... Mm-hmm. How to ruin a recall or how to ruin a, a retrieve. It is a good trick, though. Retrieving is can also be a trick. Oh, yeah, it's can just fabulous. be a trick behavior. That's a fun one to teach. I had somebody, I, I taught a clicker tricks class, and somebody with a min pin came in. It was another trainer, and she taught her little min pin to put her front feet on up on this little canister and walk her back feet around in a circle, <laughs> like you know, like the elephants do at the circus right? or whatever. It was really cute. And right. then I had somebody else teach her dog to lick his lips on cue. Right, which would be a good one. Yeah, and now it has to be captured. Yeah, absolutely. I like to also teach a dog get around in a behind, which is when I teach the dog to circle behind me and Mm -hmm. come over onto the other side. That's a really convenient one. So what's the difference between get around and behind? Is one going one direction, one going the other? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. one's left to right, one's right to left. And I'm a little muddy on that one. I tend to just do my hand cues. Mm -hmm. So there are dogs that I've taught a really good get around and behind that know the verbal and there are others that I was so muddy and I used get around for either direction that I have to add the hand cue in order to tell them which direction they're going but it's it can be really helpful if I'm walking down the street and somebody's got a dog that I want to get my dog away from Mm -hmm. I want my dog to be on the opposite side of me 
my dogs are not a problem with other dogs, but I certainly have <laughs> sometimes some question about the dog approaching me. But I can tell my dog get around or behind, and right. they'll go to the other side of me, and now I have my body between them and the right. dog that's coming up the street, which is really convenient. Or if, if I'm walking my dogs and somebody's walking a little dog down the street, and I think they're a little nervous, I'll move one of my dogs over. You know, I'll get them out of that. So that's one that you can use that's actually got a practical application. I taught a little dog to uh, to walk backwards between my legs. Mm-hmm. I tell him tunnel and he flips around and walks backwards between my legs and ends up behind me. And then from there, I can say tunnel and he turns around and walks backwards through my legs again. Right. That was just just for the heck of it. Right. You can teach a dog figure eight through your legs too. Oh, yeah. Some people And like even to do while it. you're walking. So that while yeah. you're walking, he goes through. But you have to make sure that that's very much on cue because you don't want to be walking down the sidewalk and have your dog decide, oh. Well, I think I think I just got the cue to walk between yeah. your legs, and then you, then you end up on your face. You really do need that very much on cue because I have to say one of the things that I teach my dogs is don't go between, between my legs. legs. Don't go walking between my legs. You're going to trip me out. That's what yeah. I teach young puppies pretty much early on. But once you have a dog really solid on that, then you can teach them to do it on cue. On cue, and it's right. absolutely not a problem because right. it is strictly on cue. And go to bed is a trick. It's a very useful trick. Some people don't look at it as a trick. Like when I was doing my clicker trick training class, mm-hmm. I had a list and I was up at the dog park and I was putting up a up a flyer for it. And this guy comes up and he's looking on my list of behaviors that, that we train and it said ring a bell to go out. And he's and this was just a belligerent guy anyway that I'd kind of had a run in, in the park with. And he's looking at it and he says he says ring a bell to go out, that's not a trick. I go, sure it is. Everything is a trick to the Everything dog. Everything is a trick, actually. The dog yeah. doesn't make the distinction. Right. We're just talking about fun tricks. You're right. Everything's a trick. Yeah. Otherwise, the dog would have to accept it as uh, a valid thing. Right. And honestly, we cannot give them our sensibilities. We can only teach them what the behavior yeah. is. What did I've you think it was ta- then? Uh-huh. Mandatory? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But you know, he had no he had no response when I said everything is a trick to yeah. the dog. The dog doesn't know. I've also taught a dog to wipe their face after they drink water. Uh-huh. We hung a towel because the dog was very drooly. You know, she uh-huh. drank a lot of water. Was very sloppy about it. We hung a towel on the handle of the oven next to the water bowl, uh-huh. and so we taught her to wipe her face on the towel after she drank. Oh, that's cute. That's a good one. There's just so many tricks, and I think that if you want to just spend some time with your dog, just bonding mm-hmm. with your dog, just tricks are a really good way to go about that. Yeah. Tricks are a really good way to just relationship build. You know, it's communication. It's something that you're doing with them, and as long as you realize that when you teach a trick, you should get it to that stage where it's on cue, mm-hmm. where it's not just the dog serving it up to you. Otherwise, it can become creative begging. Yes, Annoying or attention obnoxious. seeking, right? Yeah, and the thing seeking. is, is that when when they do something that we've taught them to do, and that we've clapped and we've smiled at them before, and then they do it, or especially if it was a behavior that was very difficult for us to get, and now he's offering it all the time, a lot of people will accept it no matter when the dog offers it. Oh, because I worked so hard on getting it. I know. I don't want him to offer it and have me ignore it because I don't want it to go away. Well, it's not going to go away. I know. One of the key points when you're teaching a dog a trick is to remember that you want to teach that trick and eventually the idea is to have that trick completely on cue. 
so that it is not something that the dog just then uses to push your buttons. It's cute. It's funny. We, we want to do that. But you know what? At that point, it's not a trick anymore. Now it just becomes attention-seeking behavior. And although it may be a, something that we rewarded in the past, they're now in the self-serve department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, that's a fine line because when they offer behaviors, that's good. But offering behaviors, you really have to have a clear idea in your head of how much of this do I want eventually to just be an offered behavior or yeah. do I want this on cue? Do I want this to be something that the dog walks in, sees us at the table, runs over and starts going through his litany of tricks to get food? Because while I may think that's really cute when I'm all by myself, when I have a dinner party, I may be less enamored of that. Or I may think it's cute for about five minutes and then be over it, right? When the dog really starts to push, especially if speak happens to be one of the behaviors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that can get that can get a little annoying. Yeah, even whisper is not that cute when it's done over and over again. Yeah, or paw at me, you yes. know, because wave, right? Absolutely, wave becomes a. I'll let me hit you with my, uh huh, with my foot. Also, one that I taught Grover, my first pit bull, was yawn. I taught uh-huh. him to yawn on cue, and that was complete capture. Right, that was uh, not capture shaping. Right, that was shaping. It was like it started out with a, with a, you know, he would just move his mouth, and I would click during the most mm-hmm. open part. And then it kind of turned into this little wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of places for that. <laughs> I know. Go. I could I could have just taken the wow, 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 that noise, you know. And, but then I started, I started, and actually there's a picture on, um, I don't know if it's on my website. There's a picture somewhere around that has him yawning on cue. Well, tricks are fun. They're a fun way to get get in touch with working with your dog. They're a fun thing to train. They're also a way to take a little bit of a break from just teaching behaviors. Yes. But they are behaviors. You know, in the end, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Some of them we call obedience. Some of them we call tricks. But tricks can be a lot of fun. I would encourage anybody to yeah. to kind of delve into that a little bit because yeah. it's a there, lot of fun. Yeah, there is a book out there called How to Train Your Pet Like a TV Star or Like a Television Star. There is. That has okay. a lot of good ideas. Okay. Well, that's it for trick training, I think, although we could probably go on with this Forever. for hours, honestly. But hopefully we've given you some ideas for some things to try. And uh, we do have a fan page on Facebook. So if there's anything on here that you've done that you want to talk about, please join us. Yes. Talk about it. I'm Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.